the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Nothing like a good illustration to prove a point, right? Well, we have the best illustration to prove one of the best points here in Hebrews 10 and 11. Next. I belonged to a book program years ago, and the pastor would send me a book. I would write a book review and send it to him, and he'd send me the next book. In his wisdom, he gave me a book on theology, followed by an autobiographical book. He wanted me to see the theology I had read about in action. And that's exactly what we have here in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, chapter 10, the author deals with faith and how to just live by it. By chapter 11, he's giving us life examples of how this faith was lived out. With today's broadcast of Truth For Today, here's Pastor Phil Howard. I was a tongue talker, and I wanted to be a prophet. That's the greater gift. I said, Dad, how could I become a prophet? He said, a good place to start is memorize the prophets. I said, what did you say? Say that again. He said, memorize the prophets. I said, you don't mean Isaiah. Yeah, I mean Isaiah. The 66 chapters, get started. You'll be real close to being a prophet. What? You mean you got to read it? You got to learn it? Yeah. Yeah, become a prophet. Then start on Ezekiel. There's about 54 chapters. Then get to Jeremiah, 52 chapters. Whoa, I don't want to be a prophet. I'm plenty happy. I'm plenty happy. I'll let this speak. Are you hearing his voice? It's why this world wants you to hear every other voice, but he's calling. He's calling people to salvation. He's calling people to himself. He goes on, and after this, he says something to him. That's the call. Then there's a child in his life. Notice verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age. She was 90 but she was barren all of her life. Since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Now, in Genesis 18, she didn't have faith. She just laughed, and God rebuked her. And she even lied to God. I didn't laugh. Yes, you did. I saw you laughing in the tent. It's terrible to lie to God, because you can't even hide in the shower from him. He's everywhere. See, secret sin down here is open scandal up there. Secret sin down here is public knowledge up there. Makes you almost afraid to take a shower. You don't have any secrets with God. Who do you think you're kidding? Adam, where are you hiding? And some people are so dumb and say, well, look at that. He didn't even know where Adam was. Oh, no, he knew where. He's got to give you a narrative. Where are you, boy? I know where you are. And she laughed, but here she finally comes to faith, and God visits her. 
You remember the story and the narrative. God promised Abram, chapter 12, a great nation would come out of him. Chapter 15, as the birthdays are rolling over Abram, he kind of scratched his head. He said, you know, you know, God, last time we were talking, you said you were going to give me a posterity that make up a nation. Yeah. Are you aware I'm in my 80s? And I'm living with a barren wife? I mean, I've only been following you a little while. I just left Ur, but that doesn't happen down in Ur. God said, he said, you know, the only one I've got is going to be my heir is Eliezer. He's a household servant. God said, oh, 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 no, that's not the way I'm going to fulfill it. No, Eliezer is not your heir. Well, I was just wondering. I've got to make funeral arrangements and make a will. Who's it going to go to? He said, uh, listen to me. Listen to me. Look up. How many stars can you count? I can't. He didn't even have the Hubble Space, you know, telescope. But just on a clear night with no city lights. Can you imagine? He was overwhelmed. That's more like what I want to do for you, Abram. And then Abram, instead of laughing, he said the famous lines of Genesis 15, 6. And Abraham believed, and in the Hebrew, amen. He believed God, and God immediately said, I will count you righteous because you believe me. The theme of Romans and justification. Believe God, and he will declare you right with him forever. The way you get to heaven, mister, is believing the word of another, not trusting yourself, not your works, not your churchianity, not singing in the choir, not being the pastor. Believing God is how God declares a man right. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and God will declare you right forever. There's no other way. Count beads, get on your knees, tithe all your money, do 18 jobs in the church, and you can still go to hell. When have you believed God? When he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Faith, when you count on what God can do and quit trusting what you can do, you can be saved. So he said, oh, Abram, thank you for believing me. Guess what I'm going to do? By the way, I want you to cut up some meat. All right, cuts up the meat. And, uh, and then, he puts, then he puts him to sleep. Good night. He's out. He already cut up this meat, chopped it up. And all of a sudden, as you read the narrative, fire went down between this meat. And it comes back. And then he wakes up. And he said, I just made a covenant with you, Abram. I made a covenant. This is going to happen. Wait just a moment. The Near Eastern custom was this. You hold hands with whoever you're making the covenant with, and you walk between the meat, and you say, so be it to the man who breaks this covenant. So be it. In other words, may you become chopped meat if you break this covenant. God said, Abram, 
I didn't want what I'm going to do to count on you, so I'll put you to sleep. I'm putting my name and my character, and I'm going to make a great nation out of you, and I'm going to bring a Messiah through you, and I'm going to give you this land, Abram. You go to sleep. I'll make the covenant with myself. And he walked right down there. And that's why you can't get rid of the Jew and you're messing with God when you do. That's a good little line. Dave, don't mess with the Jew because you're messing with God when you do. God made a promise to a moon worshiper that because you believe me, I'm going to turn you into a great nation and a great man. You'd be amazed what God will do for you if you'd believe him. Faith will obey God. Don't say you've got faith and not obey. The demons have got that kind. Saving faith obeys. And it can believe God for a miracle. See, there was the call, then the miracle child. As he puts him to sleep, God made the covenant. Now it's up to God to pull it off. Well, be careful because Sister Sarah has an alternate plan. You know what? The baby isn't coming real soon, so go sleep with Hagar. We can get a baby here. We call that the end justifies the means. It doesn't matter how you get results. Just do it any way you can. Great mistake. It was the child of the flesh. And ever since Ishmael was born, he became the father of the Edomites, the Arabs, and they've been to the east of Jews and of Jerusalem ever since then. And he said, he will be as a wild donkey. He will be so untamable and so hostile to you. And so it is today, the Jewish-Arab conflict. It never ends. God doesn't need any help fulfilling his promise. But when we're impatient, we'll jump out with a plan of our own. Created chaos. Well, the angels go visit them at the tent in Genesis 18. A couple of angels and God the Son's there. Tells Abram, we're going to see that the baby comes. We've got Sodom and Gomorrah in chapter 19. So then we get chapter 21. God visits Sarah and she becomes pregnant with Isaac, the promised child. You know what? When you believe God, he can do the impossible. She's 90 years old. He's close to 100. And it's a lie for her to think she'll ever nurse a baby. And she's watching Ishmael grow up. And Hagar is taunting her that you're the barren one. You're under the curse. I'm under the blessing. But God in time visited and a baby came, a promised child. That God promised a man in faith. Now the narrative goes on. Can you imagine what it would be like if you still had good health and God gave you a child at 100 years of age? And to see your, and I said, good help. It's a different era. Imagine Sarah, the look on her face, the joy, the uh, 
remarkable, incredible, serendipitous uh, discovery that she has this son close, close, close to her heart. And all of a sudden, one day, God said to Abram, I'm going to test you, Abram. I want you to take Isaac, and I want you to go to Mount Moriah and offer him as a burnt sacrifice. Genesis 22, 1 through 3. He says it to him. I want you to offer him as a burnt sacrifice. No hesitancy. No delay. He simply starts having his servants gather the wood. He gets Isaac, that's probably 12 or 14 at this age. Maybe a little older. And they start to go on a journey. And he tells the boy, the boy, where are we going? Don't worry, son. We're going on a journey. This is the way I left Ur. But this time I've got an assignment. And he went to Mount Moriah, the same location Calvary would wind up being. And he gets up at the top of the mount. And Isaac is so out of the loop. He knows nothing that's going on. He doesn't know what God's saying to his father. He said, what, what's going to happen? Son, I'm going to offer you to God. But before that, he said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Lay on the altar. They had arranged the wood. He raises the knife. He's getting ready. So already in his mind, this narrative, and Romans 4 says, Abraham is thinking this way. Well, I guess God's going to have to resurrect him. If you read Romans 4, and you read this, he'd already thought in his mind, God will have to resurrect him, because this is the one he promised to give me a seed through. He's the first man in the Bible that believed in the resurrection. He says, if you read the narratives, he did see him raised as in a parable, as in a figure. Because in his mind, he had already plunged the knife. He had already done the deed. But God intercepted, provided a sacrifice, and rescued him. So he said, I believe in a God that if I obey him, he could resurrect anything I have to kill even that far. You must read Romans 4, and you must read this, and you'll get the narrative. What was going on, Abram? He's never heard a resurrection in his life. Who told him about it? Where did he read? Come on, this is an idolater. He's talking with God, learning about God. Nobody's mentoring him. Nobody's discipling him. No. And he's up there. And God rescues him from the crises of his life. And so I see faith demonstrated in this man in three areas. His call, he left without question. He left the city of Ur. And he went to a land that he didn't even know where he was going. Two, he believed God for the promised child. A a miracle that God would have to pull off and reverse and do something impossible for him and Sarah to do. And thirdly, the crises of his life, go to Mount Moriah and lay your dearest possession on the altar before God. 
I ask you three things in your faith. Have you answered the call of God? Have you heard His voice call you to follow Him, to come to Him, to receive eternal life? Have you heard that voice through the gospel, through the wooing of the Spirit saying, Come, come, come. I want to receive you. I want to forgive you. When will you come? What's keeping you from coming? What's keeping you from coming? Why will you go to hell and refuse to come? Why? And all of us can remember days before we knew Christ. Why did we put it off? Put it off. Put it off. You've only got now. You've only got today. And you may not have all of it. We live by the moment not by the day. The Bible says, teach us to number our days, not our years, our days. I knew of a Hebrew prof, Bruce Walkie, who used to put in his day timer how many days he had till he was 70 because he figured after that they were all a bonus. His God had said most of us live, do good to live to 70 if by grace we live to be a, how many days? You ought to sit down and figure out how many days you've got. Some of us are living on borrowed time. When have you heard the call of God? You know, I have to, I was thinking about this call. I know I was called to salvation. But I know I was called to be a preacher boy at 15 at Alliance Redwoods on a Thursday night. And I was a mess. Speech problems. All kinds of difficulties. I told my brother, Paul, God's calling me to preach. He said, well, God's got a big job on his hand. Because you're a wreck. And I said, I know it. And then I think of... um, Going to Fresno to go to seminary. My brother David moved me there. I was on the verge of a a nervous breakdown, having been at a school, worked a lot, a lot of pressures. I was just folding. I just rode a bike for three months. I couldn't read a book, couldn't hardly function. But God sent me in the backside of the desert. No money. Hardly knew hardly no one in town. And then a year to the day that I moved there, God says, go back where you grew up, is what I thought. And I wound up in Pinal because I found a hall I could rent. My brother lived in the valley. My sister lived in the... But I Pinal, what's that? That's where all the Portuguese live. I don't want to go there. I'm a Richmond boy. I want some rednecks and some blacks. Not all these Portuguese. I know blacks and whites. I don't know anything about Pano, but they had a hall for rent. And Carolyn said to me as we went there, why are we doing this? Honey, where's your confidence? I said, because God told me to. Big gamble. 
Nobody else heard the voice. Just me. 45 years later, I still preach here. I followed the voice. I followed the voice. Um, let me ask you, where are you going? Where are you going? If I ask you, are you following the voice of God or just doing anything you please? Wavered, no sense of direction. It's wonderful to live by faith, but scary. Because there's some of you who want a five-year plan for everything. You should have told that to Abraham. He said, where's your plan? Where's your plan? Where's your plan? I don't have one. I have God, and he seems to have a plan. I'm just trying to keep up with him. Two, I would become a Christian, but you don't know my habits. Drugs are strong. Sex is strong. Booze is strong. Old acquaintances. If God could take a barren woman at 90 and do the impossible in her body, do you think he could do it for you? You don't need another baby. You need deliverance, though. You need God to do some impossible things that only he can do. He can set you free. Let me tell you, there's a one-step program you ought to meet. It's Jesus. You don't need 12. You need one. Come to him. Come to Jesus. And he breaks the power of canceled sin. And then some of you, have you ever laid anything on the altar for God to use? The main thing God wants on the altar is you because you're your biggest idol. Every one of us need deliverance from ourselves. Man loves to worship man. He loves that. That's why he's into hero worship. He's got to have an athlete he worships, a musician he worships, a star he worships, people worship, people worship, preacher worship. Whoa, 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 whoa. When will you just lay everything you count dear? Your hobbies, your vocation, your relationships, your wealth, your, your body. Have, have you ever obeyed God to say, I will submit to your will? William Carey went to India, stayed 37 years with, for a handful of converts. Just a few 37 years. But every Indian that's come to Christ has been led to Christ from the Bible he translated. And he did 29 different dialects where he spent 37 years trying to reach the Indian people and was a master linguist. Adoniram Judson spent seven years in Burma for one convert. Wasted his life. On the altar of God. No, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. We are people of faith. We've been called out. This world is not our home. And let me tell you this. I someday with Abraham shall run up and down the streets of glory and say, this is the city you were looking for. All the way back there. And Abram say, yeah, I saw it in Canaan. I saw it the day I left Ur. God was showing me a city, not a tent, not a grazing life, not a pilgrim. Someday, 
I'm going to land in the city. I'm going to land in the city whose builder and maker is God. Tell me, what are you doing with your life? Are you living by faith or living by feeling, emotion? What are you living by? Sight? Why don't you trust God? Obey his voice. What is he saying to you? Trust him for what seems impossible. And put everything else on the altar before him. Refuse to bow to anything but him. Let him be first place in your life. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. Or, again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Message.